Hello and welcome to the Respectfully podcast. I'm Nikki Pope, your host for this hairdressing conversation. I recently was encouraged to pack up my portable microphone and laptop and head into central London to meet face-to-face with some lovely guests who were keen to share their views on the current situation in UK hairdressing, particularly as regards recruitment and in the perception of our industry and the way we're coping with changes in the modern world. My first guest is a very interesting chap, Anthony Grant, who currently works at the very smart Linnaeon Salon in South London. Anthony is an award-winning hairdresser and he had a lot to talk about as regards the Black Lives Matter and the awareness of working with black hair, afro, very coily curly hair, and whether we are or aren't making good enough strides to make black hairdressing much more widely available, which includes recruitment and training. Hello and welcome to my studio. Nice to see you. Hi, I'm Anthony Grant. You're a hairdresser. Mm-hmm. Have you always been a hairdresser? Yeah, I've been doing hairdressing since I was about 15 years old, so a long, long time ago. Because <laughs> I've been doing hairdressing for, what, 33 years now? Wow. My career's kind of gone in all sorts of different directions, just the way how things have kind of evolved. I think really now I'm kind of focusing more on the educational side of things. Obviously, I'm the art director at Leanne and Hair Salon, which I kind of head up the team there now. So that's my, um, sort of, we're slowly building our team there. So it's about three years, has it been open? No, 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 it's been open this October will be two years. Only two years, wow, and what are two years to open a salon in, gosh. It's definitely been challenging. Well, (laughs) it's a beautiful space, Mm. so Linnaean is now, it sort of nestles next Mm. to the American Embassy, um, down in sort of New Covent Garden area. Um, just near near Vauxhall, so it's gl- it's a glorious space. You have a sort of restaurant and hair and beauty. Mm. It's almost like um, it's, it's a bit conceptual, it's isn't like, it? Yeah, it's definitely a lifestyle. It's the lifestyle kind of feeling. It's like you know, m- most people who come there, they come there for the day. You know, they'll come and they'll have lunch and they'll have a cocktail or something whilst they're having their hair done. Or yeah. we've got a spa as well, which is really busy oh, as well. Gorgeous. It's like a destination. Yeah. So what's the sort of, what's your client profile when you're salon based? I tend to, my clients tend to vary. I've got clients from, from the ages of about 20 right up to about sort of like, um, up to about 70, 80 years old. I've been quite lucky really in, this, in, the, in the sense that, like I said, I've been doing it for 33 years and I've still maintained a lot of my clients from before I was, before I was in um, London, when I was down on the South Coast. Right. So I've still got a good sort of, I don't know, 20% so of my clients who travel who up still to follow see. me around. Oh, and, I, and I've got a lot of my clients who basically, you know, they want me to travel with them and right. do their hair and stuff like that. So, oh, yeah. And what about session work? Have you done mm. session work in the past? Do you still No, we still have done. We're slowly bits and pieces, bits are starting to come through. We've been doing lots of stuff like work with the magazine. Yeah. Um, which was really, really good. That was probably my first... Well, it was a fantastic project, wasn't it, for two days to bring people together. In It was it was all done for the love of hairdressing, but because we particularly wanted to focus on mm. how beautiful black hair mm. can be. For me, it was... it was Because, obviously, we've had lockdown, and, you know, we were sort of, like, I think, creativeness kind of... That kind of stopped for a while. 
and for me it was inspiring to work alongside other people. It was just inspiring to work with a great, a fresh set of ideas and, and working with new people. And I know you are very um, interested mm. in photographic collections because you are an mm. award winner several mm. times over and a, a, as we speak a finalist in the Africa category for the British Hairdressing Awards again. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how has that been then, putting a shoot together? Do you have, has it been a bit different this time? Do you have to be, is it harder to get people to come to work? Is it more expensive than it was? How has it been? I think this year has been probably the hardest one I've done. Um, not be, just because of lockdown, but when I started to put things together, I lost my dad as well. Oh, so gosh. it was right in the middle of that. And so I kind of was like, am I going to do this? Was I in my mental state to do it? Yeah. But I just kind of thought with what my dad wanted me to do. Yeah. So I just sort of soldiered on and oh, did it. So it, for me... Good for you. Well, sympathy yeah. um, for your loss, mm. but hopefully mm. you know somewhere in your heart that he'd be really proud yeah. of you. Do you have hairdressing in the family background? We do, yeah. yeah it's well, in our, so, so it's definitely it's in there. Family, yeah. It's definitely mm. in the DNA. So tell me your, your hairdressing story. Mm. Tell me about your own personal journey right. in education. So when you... Qualified when you studied hairdressing, what was the scenario in those days? Well, I trained on European hair, right. so um, I trained. I was down on the south coast. Um, I kind of then came up to London. I did quite a lot of courses in London as well whilst I was down there. And I, but I was, I'd probably say it took me till about probably say about ten to twelve years. I started to realise to myself, came down to London purely just to further my career. Right. And so, did you need to find places where you could learn about working with? Um, Afro heritage, very curly, curly hair, or mm. is that something you knew from family experience? How how did that work for you? I personally, for me, I picked that up. I mean, I've always kind of been interested in it, and I've obviously coming from that kind of background myself, and sort of you'd, you'd watch a lot of your family work, how they then and they would actually kind of talk to you about what they're doing. When I came to London, I then went did six months in New York. That's where my sort of my love and passion for Afro hair started but it's it's funny how things have changed now because i feel you know with i definitely find with black women now are embracing their natural texture yeah so i think as a hairdresser you have to can you have to kind of look at what you're doing um because purely when you i was training it was all about relaxing perming and things like that and you know there was no everybody kind of fell into a certain category yeah and I think nowadays people are going more natural so you had to then look at what you're doing yeah and and how you can become you know still become current as a hairdresser and kind of retrain your ideas and, and your thoughts yeah you yeah. know and start looking at afro hair in a different type of way yeah what, what do we need to do really so we've got this issue mm. now in in UK hairdressing mm. we've been mm. lacking big mm -hmm. time so we've had lots of conversations about the lack of education and how until now it hasn't been felt to be mandatory mm. to have to learn to work on Afro heritage hair. The recommendation is there that we need, that we must mm -hmm. change the qualifications and put, make it mandatory to study mm -hmm. working on Afro heritage hair. We've yet to see that actually come through. I know that some of the awarding bodies are starting to change the syllabus. Obviously, that's got to play out. They need to change the syllabus. They need to find a way of doing trade mm. tests and so on. What are you looking to the industry to do first? Where, what are you... I feel that, I mean, it, to me, this is something I've been talking about for a long time. And I've worked with, you know, lots of different product companies. And I've done shows and things like that with them. And it's 
I don't think they, in, it, their, intention, their intention is to be racist as such, whatever, but it, it's kind of, it's been put to the side. Yeah. And I just feel to myself, I, I mean, I've, I work, I'm, I'm not just an Afro hairstylist, but the majority of my clients are Afro hair. And the amount of money that, you know, black women or black people spend on their hair. Yeah. And, you know, and the maintenance and, you know, with treatments and, you know, and retail size and things like that, you know, it's an area that um, product companies just haven't tapped into enough. And I think, like I say, it's only by doing this, by talking about this and making people be more aware of it yeah. that we can actually move forward. Yeah. And I, I see quite a lot of fear around mm. working with, with um, this hair mm. type. At the moment, I, I think a lot of people don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And I, I think you and I have talked about this before. The language sometimes mm -hmm. is quite difficult for people. You know, people are nervous, but we have to do that. And I think we, we have to encourage trainees to feel confident to ask questions mm -hmm. and to, to not think that they're going to get it wrong. Like, I think it's important to talk about it. You know, even like, like what you're saying, like sometimes people don't know how to pronounce, you know, how they're going to say things. And you, know, you might say things a bit wrong, but you know, at the end of the day, the way it's like this, you don't know until you ask questions of how you're going to get things right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Products, are they good enough? Do we have a choice enough? Um, Do we need I'd special products? I think there, I mean, there are brands out there which just cater mainly for Afro hair. Yeah. But I think you have got the bigger brands, Wella, L'Oreal, um, Redkin, you know, there's all these different brands out there which are brilliant brands. I'm not knocking them or anything like that, but there's a large market out there who who don't get who, who don't, don't fit get, into, yeah, don't don't fit into that. Yeah, and yeah. I just think to myself, you know, and it's like, you know, then they have to go on the on the on the internet and they have to Google what this was was that. And I just feel to myself, why can't there be as accessible brands as what those brands are there? I'm a brand mm. and I say, right, Tony, mm. how how can I expand on my portfolio what kind of products would I need to be looking at what is it that you need to do with this right. hair with afro hair type I would be looking at like sort of like I say not necessarily the shampoos and conditioners and such because I do think like some of the brands that out there they do good shampoos conditioners yeah. and treatments it's the aftercare daily moisturizing right um, um, shine gloss products um, curling products you know products, curling creams and stuff like that. We're living in society, especially in London, you've got so many different cultures. Yeah. You've got so many different nationalities intermixing and you're getting these different, like, you know, you might get a white person who's got almost like Afro texture hair. Yeah. And then you might get a black person who's got almost like silky straight hair. Yeah. You know, so we've got so many different textures intermixing that we need to be looking at not just for that particular hair, but, you know, how you can cater for the whole for the whole brand, you know, for, for, for every, every type of, to every type of culture to hair. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We need to start talking about it earlier, you know, when yeah. people are kids. I think there's a big frustration with some schools where there's, there's just no understanding of what it might feel like to have very curly, coily hair and then be told your hair is too big or mm. it's, it's untidy. I think even language like saying that the hair needs to be tamed yeah. is actually just... Well, it, a bit, uh, well, yeah, you've got to look at it because that to me is without, that is a form of racism. Yeah. You know, and they don't even, they're not even aware of what they're, of 
how their message, their message, what they're saying is coming across to you. Yeah. And I think, you know, to me, it's all about, you know, if your hair's naturally, organically curly, or it's a bit more, as they say, wilder, you know, why shouldn't they be left to have their hair natural? You know, you wouldn't say to a person who's got straight hair, oh, your hair's too straight. Yeah, or it's too messy, or, or you know. need to brush it, or yeah. something like that. Exactly. Yeah, I think we need to look at that. And I think that it's when we did the shoot together mm. for um, Tribute magazine, I was very conscious that several of the models, mm. you know, were sharing stories really where people have been really rude without even meaning to be rude to them. Mm. You know, they've gone to work, perhaps having worn their hair smooth and then they decided to let the natural texture come through and somebody would say, oh, you haven't brushed your hair today or I see mm. you would just got mm. out of bed or something which is just very hurtful. It's not intended to be, but it is. Of course it is. And I think, you know, only by talking about these sort of things and making people be aware of what they're saying and be able to say, well, actually, what you're saying is not right. Yeah. And, you know, you know that's the only way we're going to move forward, by talking about it. Yeah. So we need brands mm. to address their product portfolios. We also need the education to change. One of the mm. big issues that keeps being raised is... but. It's all very well saying we now have to educate mm. uh, people to qualify in working with all hair types. Who's going to train them? Where are they going to learn it from? Because mm -hmm. we've got a lack of educators. So that's another issue. I think, you know, I mean, I don't know how the government government's going to have to look at that. Because, I mean, that's also stem, stems down to also, like, you know, young people getting into this industry as well. We have to take a step back and look at what, what we're doing, how we're going to get our message across what we're going to say, how we're going to say it, and, you know, when's the right time to say it. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think that's really, really important. And I think to myself, you know, like you say, on, as we keep having these uh, meetings and talking about this sort of stuff, it's the only way we're going to move forward with that. Yeah, and to make us more open and more inclusive at the mm. same time. In the last 12 months, particularly last summer, we had a, a, a much increased visibility and profile for Black Lives Matter. Mm. Have we improved in the last 12 months as an industry, the UK hairdressing industry? Are you seeing change coming? Are you seeing a general betterness? Is it good enough? Slowly I'm starting to see it. Yeah. Slowly I'm starting to see it. I, I think, like I said, I've noticed there was a competition yesterday and you know it was three or four judges on there, you know, which were black. Quite an unusual thing for me to see. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, things like, you know, we have we have like the best hairdressers in the UK. You know, there are big hair competitions, um, you know, Sound International and things like that. And there's always just like a little, an hour, half an hour session yeah. for the whole weekend yeah. of, on Afro hair. And it's like, and when you look around there, <laughs> you know, there's so many different cultures have yeah. come from different parts of the world to, to that. Yeah, and you don't see somebody don't up see on stage yeah. that looks like yourself or that looks mm. like your clients. I think it has improved. I, it's improved. It's not mm. good enough. Um, you know, scrolling through Instagram, mm. I'm seeing more photography. Mm. I am seeing things better profile, but we need to keep it up. And I think that one of the, the points for me is that we need to be anti-racist, not just mm. not racist. I think we have to really give people more a platform. Until we get this right, mm -hmm. we're going to have to go... I see also a lot of product companies... They kind of say, oh, it's for Afro hair. But when they, when you look at their brand and the mo the type of model that they're using, it's obviously somebody with a colour, but it would I would I say that's Afro hair? Yeah. It's, you know, very soft, curly, wavy hair. 
you know, that you could manipulate it to look European or is, you know, if you let it be natural, it'll have a little bit of movement to it. And I just think, you know, you need to start seeing more girls of proper colour. Yeah, absolutely. I think we need to, mm. I think there's, I think we're in danger of fudging it a little. Yeah. Call it as it is, you know, you call it Afro hair. You know, it's like you call, you know, somebody who's Indian, an Indian person, you know, yeah. you, you know, and I think it's, it's not about being racist, it's about calling it as it is. Yeah, absolutely. I know um, we discussed this, but when mm. we produced the edition of Tribute magazine featuring mm. all the work that you guys have done, we called it The Black Issue. Mm. And I, I was, I confess, you know, I understood that there might be difficulties with mm. that for some people. So again, I checked it out with mm. you all and you said, no, no, this is what it is. It is the issue of mm being a black hairdresser is the issue of working with black hair. So let's, you know, be mm. be clear about that. To me, it's kind of like, you know, especially a magazine like Tribute, which it has the recognitions it has, it's sort of, you know, it's using that into a positive way where people are starting to stop and look and recognise. Yeah, brilliant. So what about attracting more kids into the industry? Is there anything that you might identify that would be people will be deterred by is it just that we're just too white in the first place i think like i say i what we we need to do is make the, i think in the industry it you know if we take the black issue thing out of it it's a problem that we're having anyway we're struggling with to get new people coming through we've got to find ways of actually how we can make our industry be more appealing for people to be attracted to yeah um you know i think we've talked about this before we just said you know about going to local schools and yeah. um colleges you know and you know putting yourself out there it's our job to put ourselves out there to make ourselves more appealing to those people yeah we need to be our own best mm. advocates really yeah. literally brilliant so let's bring it back to you mm. what's your what so where are you at your salon based at the moment mm. we've obviously had these crazy times it's all about rebuilding mm. the confidence in salons how are you finding your clients have they are they all coming back is there some hesitancy yeah. is there um to be honest i've never been busier really and it's it's so weird because it's kind of like um you know since we went back april the 12th and it's been full on since april the 12th and we've kind of like um obviously we're a we started off as a small, smaller sound because we obviously were new, but we were building and we were just, you know, we had then had more work than we could actually cope with. Cope yeah, with. Yeah. And we have, you know, then had to get new staff to come in. Then we had to train them sort of two, three weeks of how our philosophy, how we work and, you know, our ethos of our salon. And so it's been, it has been nonstop, <laughs> wow. which has been a really, you know, positive thing. And I think it's been a new kind of respect for hairdressers from the consumers, I think kind of like people are booking their appointments in advance you know people are now oh i've got to make sure i've got my appointments so i'm booked in do you know what i mean i've don't, i've noticed that i don't know if it was, i haven't noticed it before but i've definitely noticed it now where people are starting to be you know be more oh, i've got to make sure my appointments are booked yeah, in yeah feel a bit more respectful yeah. well mm. you know it hurt when yeah. we all couldn't come into the salon so that was a difficulty for you personally we've touched on the awards mm. so good luck with that Thank you. What's your? Do you have a vision for yourself for the next two or three years? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I mean, obviously, we, you've got to kind of evolve. You've got to kind of, um, you know, I'm talking to different um, product companies at the moment um, about doing education, mm -hmm. um, training. 
we've got kind of a few things going on in the sound. We've just launched Rembo Staff, who's started their own um, luxury hair extension stuff. So we've, there's lots of things going on within the salon that we're, where we're going to evolve on and later in the year and sort of like sort of market on and, and move forward with. Brilliant. So it sounds very positive. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in for a chat and for being so open with mm. us. It's, uh, you know, there are some difficult mm. conversations in there, but I really appreciate you sharing with us and make other people listening to this feel a bit more empowered and a bit more able to keep the conversation going, as you say, the most important thing. Yeah, okay. Thank cool. you very Thank much. You. Thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. My thanks to Anthony for sharing such a candid conversation with me. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, then why not head over to the iTunes or Spotify library and listen to other Respectfully podcasts. They're all very interesting hairdressing conversations. Don't forget to rate and review us as it helps to drive us up the charts. Thank you. Listen soon. Listen soon.